So DealQuest listeners, this is the 100th episode coming up, and I am so excited to have Joe Affelbaum, the Joe Affelbaum, as my guest. And you'll hear on the episode why I thought Joe would be the perfect guest for the 100th episode. Joe, tell them a little bit about what they're going to hear on your upcoming episode of DealQuest. Thank you so much, Corey. I'm so excited that I was just on the amazing DealQuest podcast. And what you're going to hear about is how to set up contracts correctly um, with deals, talking about equity, talking about starting a business, figuring out different ways of seeing the way that you can structure revenue generation and opportunities. Most people see things through the lens of the way they've always seen things. And if you want to be able to have a new paradigm, a new way of viewing things, a new way of looking at your business and at, of the opportunity that exists right now, then listen to this episode because we are going to walk you through the step-by-step process that I had to take in order for me to go from an entrepreneur who had no idea how to grow a business to all the different pitfalls and, and deal-making that I had to make and the ways that I was thinking before and the way that I'm thinking now. So listen to this episode and you're going to get a tremendous benefit And make sure that when you do listen to the episode, you let Corey know the things that you got out of the episode because he's been working so hard. A hundred episodes? That's crazy. Maybe we should stop everything we're doing and just go give him some reviews on iTunes right now to celebrate. I want to see at least a hundred reviews on iTunes. I love it. I love it. And listen, the the road Joe talked about went through, uh, you know, business partnership, raising capital, ending the business partnership, taking out the capital, affiliate deals that he does now. I mean, so there's so much uh, deal value, but also mindset value and shift because that's another thing that Joe is really, really into. So I got to tell you something, Joe, you know, Joe's inspired me for a long time and uh, he continued to inspire me on this episode of DealQuest. Check it out. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out of the box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Joe Affelbaum is the CEO of HX Union, a B2B digital marketing agency based in Brooklyn, New York. Joe is a business strategist, marketing expert, and certified Google trainer. He is the author of the book, High Energy Secrets, How He Lost 95 Pounds and Has More Energy Than Ever. He also has an upcoming book coming out in, in, uh, actually, it might be out by the time this podcast airs, called High Energy Purpose. When he's not motivating entrepreneurs at events and on social media, he chills in Brooklyn with his five kids. I am unbelievably excited to have Joe Alphabaum on the podcast. Welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, so listen, folks, usually I hop into um, my first opening question, but I want to acknowledge a couple of things. This is the 100th episode of DealQuest. Yay. And, uh, I'm so excited. 
I mean, if most people don't know, there's this concept called pod fade and most podcasts don't even make 15 episodes. But then again, people who know me know that, you know, I'm either going to do zero episodes or I'm going to do hundreds of episodes. So, you know, and I'm particularly excited to have Joe Alphabama as my hundredth guest or my hundredth, uh, you know, the guest on the hundredth podcast, because this podcast has been something that I've done that sort of came out of moving from somebody who wasn't putting out a lot of content of any type, whether mm-hmm. it was on social media or anything like that, to be inspired to do so. And Joe was one of the people who really, really inspired me. I mean, in fact, he did a video for me five some odd years ago where he was doing video, like personal videos to folks that he was posting on social and really encouraged me sort of get on the court and get out there. And that was when my um, authentic negotiating book was coming out and I started to put out some content and who knew that would lead to, you know, consistent posting on LinkedIn. I mean, at that point I had like a LinkedIn profile with a bunch of connections, which I had no idea what to do with. I had a personal Facebook page. I did nothing on Twitter or Instagram. And now, you know, we have a sort of a machine that puts out content on all that stuff and has made a huge difference in my business. So Joe, you are the perfect hundredth guest. And I really, really want to thank you for your inspiration and encouragement. Uh, thank you very much. I love the value that you bring in all your interactions. A lot of people are posting on social media and they don't necessarily have what to share that's valuable. It's more like, hey, I need more attention right now. But when you're sharing, you actually add a tremendous amount of value. So I watch all your videos. You're always telling stories. So it's really, really fantastic. So thank you for having me on the program and thank you for putting out such great value. Thanks so much, Joe. So listen, so we're going to uh, we're gonna jump into you know, what Joe, and listen, Joe's prolific on social and, and similarly adds so much, so much value to so many people. But I think see Joe Offelbaum, many people can see Joe Offelbaum in this interview in a way that they usually don't see him because yes, he's going to get an opportunity to talk about what he does, you know, in terms of his agency and the amazing programs he has around LinkedIn. But also we're going to get some behind the scenes on Joe Offelbaum where, you know, when people have been afraid to go, like uh, what was Joe Offelbaum's, you know, startup company look like? What did it look like to deal with investors and business partners? And we're going to talk about deals. And that's not usually Joe's topic, but he's kindly come on and he's willing to do that. So Joe, before we get there though, I want to take you back to when you were growing up as a little boy, you know, eight, 10, 12 years old, what did you want to be? Because uh, my guess is owning a social media agency uh, probably wasn't it at that age, no, but you tell me. No. Now, when I was 10, 11, 12, I didn't really have any major goals as to what I wanted to be. It was more like when I started becoming, you know, 14, 15, I watched my mother trying to make a living because we we didn't grow up by any means, you know, wealthy or anything like that. You know, we lived in a little basement. We had six, my mother had six kids and we had a two bedroom apartment. So, you know, we really never really had money, but we were all very, very happy. We got a lot of love. So watching my mother struggle to try to build a business, for me, you know, I looked at that and I said to myself, you know, one day I want to, I want to be successful and I want to be able to have a business. I didn't know particularly what business because, you know, as a teenager, I wasn't particularly skilled in anything specific. Um, I didn't have a computer growing up. So yeah, I like to play video games. So that's something that I enjoyed doing, but I didn't really have a dream of as to what I wanted to do. I remember going through circulars and looking at ads and just liking to read the ads. That's something that I really always enjoyed, but I didn't know that that was a business. I didn't know that you can have a business to help people promote their business. I didn't really even know that was a thing. So for me growing up, it was just I just knew that I wanted to be successful so that my family didn't have to go through what my mother went through, really pulling her, her hairs out for like 10 years, trying to build a business, didn't get it over the million dollar mark. And on 9-11, she went out of business. So 
I didn't want my kids to experience that. And I wanted to figure out, okay, how can I solve this problem? So that became kind of like almost my childhood wound <laughs> being an entrepreneur. Love it. And, and listen, Joe and I originally met through Entrepreneur's Organization. He's built an amazing company. So Joe, why don't you just give us a couple of minutes on what your company does and who you know it mainly serves and uh, you know what some of the offerings are. And then you know I want to jump into the deal side of it. Yeah. So Ajax Union is a B2B digital marketing agency. We build marketing funnels for companies that are typically over 10 million in revenue. They have a marketing director usually in-house and we work with them to make sure that they have systems and processes around their marketing, make sure that they're getting a return on investment, make sure they have the right strategy, the right assets, and that they're measuring the right thing so that they can actually get qualified leads that convert into paying customers in the long term. Most people don't have systems around their marketing. They're kind of just doing random acts of marketing. And that will only get you to a certain place. And what got you here is not going to get you there. And Tony Robbins always says, I'm a big fan of him. You know this, Corey, the right strategy will save you a decade. So making sure that you're being strategic, that you have an actual marketing funnel, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. That's something that we do with companies. And we are really, really good at that because our niche is B2B companies that need a marketing funnel. Love it. And then I know, you know, we mentioned uh, a couple of your books, the existing one, the upcoming one. And then also, you know, you just personally are, you're a professional speaker like me, and you also, you know, help a lot of people out with various programs you've done around LinkedIn and, and you know, and other things as, as well, in addition to your core business, right? Yeah. So last year we started a company called Evergreen. And what we do is we teach people how to go from a lurker to an influencer in just 15 minutes a day. A lot of entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, speakers, they don't have a lot of time to spend on LinkedIn. And if you're going to be spending time on LinkedIn, you want to do it strategically. So we created a course, a coaching program uh, where we help people be able to really leverage LinkedIn, do it strategically so you can get in, do what you need to do, get the right exposure, get the right credibility, get more meetings. And then you can leverage LinkedIn in a way that will actually make an impact in your business. And I love speaking about LinkedIn. Before the pandemic happened, I was doing 50 speaking engagements a year. Many of them were paid speaking engagements. I would get flown all around. But then the pandemic hit and I was like, what am I going to do with my speaking business? But thankfully, Corey invited me to join the National Speakers Association in one of our brainstorming sessions a couple of years ago. And I was able to start doing virtual events like a lot of the other speakers and pivot with the new normal and all this other stuff. So I'm very, very happy that I'm doing these webinars for groups about LinkedIn. So thank you, awesome. Corey, for that. Awesome. Oh, you're welcome. All right. So Joe, let's get into some of the stuff, you know, and if you, by the way, just check out Joe's, you know, content on, you know, he's all over the place on LinkedIn. He puts out some, a lot of great, great content there. And, you know, he's kindly come on, like I said, uh, you know, earlier to talk about some stuff that, you know, he's usually not talking about. Right. And then yeah. what kind of deals he used to grow his business, what lessons he learned, what he did wrong, what, you know, uh, what uh, mistakes he made, which, uh, you know, were opportunities for lessons. So Joe, let's jump in, you know, so you and I off air, you know, and just because you know, we're, we're friends and we spend time, I know that, you know, you had some early experiences with, you know, building your company and, and having some relationships with, you know, investors, partners, things like that. You know, take us through the history a little bit of what kind of deals you did and, and some of the things positive and negative that you, you know, that came up out of those experiences. My mother always told me the number one thing you got to make sure is that you don't trust anybody in business. <laughs> and if you don't trust anybody, no one's going to be able to steal your business from you. And that's why she never hired a sales rep. She never had a partner and she never got past the million dollar mark. I knew that I wanted to do things differently. And I knew that in order for me to build a multi-million dollar business, for me, myself, I had certain weaknesses as a visionary that I needed to have somebody else fill 
and support me to be able to focus. There's a book called The Idea Monkey. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's big in EO. And every, he says every idea monkey needs to have at least one ringleader to kind of ring him in and make sure that, you know, that his ideas actually get into execution. But when I started my business, I partnered and I was kind of like almost doing it part time. But I had a partner, which I which almost became my really, really good friend. Like he became almost my best friend. Um, and, you know, we started the business. I didn't really think about anything, any other structure other than, you know, 50 50. And that was like my default. I was like, all right, I have a partner. Let's just do 50-50. Let's go in. Let's go do this. And we didn't really have a strategy. We both knew that we wanted to build a million-dollar business. That was like our thing. But we didn't really have a strategy. So right in the beginning, we didn't have a niche. We didn't have a strategy. We're just kind of like doing whatever just came to us. And building a business like that wasn't something that was actually taking traction. And we didn't know what was going to happen. This was 2008. So you could imagine how difficult it was to get clients then. At the end of 2008, I sat down in the boardroom with him in a conference room with him in one of his friend's offices. And we were just sitting there till like three in the morning, just like, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, I just took a piece of paper and I said, this is what we're going to offer. We're going to offer one product. We're going to offer or take a service, make it into a product. Let's call it a newbie. And I said, we're going to offer articles, blogs, classified ads. We're going to offer SEO to small businesses. And he's like, is that going to work? Do people want blogging? Do people want this? I said, I don't know. Let's go out to the market and offer this plan. Let's do it at a competitive monthly fee. So it's reoccurring revenue. And I came up with this concept called RHP, reoccurring, happy, and prepaid, because we didn't have cash to be able to grow the business. We didn't have, you know, I said, let the customers fund it. Let's get them to prepay at the beginning of the month. Then we hire the employees and get the work done. So he's like, cool. And I asked five of my relationships if they thought this was a good idea. And they all said yes, that they would sign up for it. So January 1st, 20, 2009, I, we basically just launched it. And the business started growing. First month, we just picked up three clients and then five clients and we hired a sales rep. And before you know it, we were closing 10 deals a month. And so I went over to my CEO, I was working full-time at a different company there. And I said, hey, what do I do? My partner wants me to come work full-time. This was May of 2009. And he said, well, you've really been able to help me grow my business from 3 million to 40 million. It was a luxury watch business. He's like, I want you to go be your own CEO. It's time for you to go in and do this full in. And I looked at him, I gave him a big hug and I said, thank you very much. He's like, not only that, I'll be your biggest client. You know, whatever I was paying you here, let's just turn it into a retainer. And I was like, holy crap, that's crazy. And so I had, you know, I went in there, but my partner, when I went in, I had a bunch of side hustles. I was building sukkahs and I was doing all this other stuff. I had doing IT on the side and selling stuff on eBay. My partner was like, no, 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 no. If we're going to grow this to be a million dollar business, we got to focus. That means you got to get rid of everything, either roll it in or, and at that point I had to make a big decision. I had to make this, am I going to really go all in with this guy? Am I really going to go all in on this one business selling one product to small businesses? Am I really going to do this? And I remember having this conversation and contemplating because I was going to, I had to get rid of things. I had to sell a business. I had to sell my sukkah business. I had 400 clients wow, that I was wow. building sukkahs for during the season. A sukkah is like a little hut that we build, a religious little hut that we built for the Jewish community. So we were doing it all, you know, I had three crews going around. I, I'd done, I was doing that. Um, even as a teen, I was doing that for fun and then eventually turned into a business. So I had to sell that business. I had to sell my IT. I had an IT managed services business. I had to sell that business as well. So I had to get rid of it in order for my partner to accept me and know that I was fully committed because he didn't want me doing things on the side. He's like, you got to focus. And it was because he taught me that, he taught me to focus. We're able to not just get to 1 million in revenue, to 2 million in revenue, to 4 million in revenue. We're, we're able to be one of the fastest growing companies in the US in 2012. 
But during that time, we ran out of something that's different than profit. And I didn't know because I wasn't part of EO then. Cash. Cash <laughs> <Right. laughs> I remember the name is escaping me. Who's the guy, the gazelles guy, the guy who always talks in EO, Vern, Vern. I remember Vern, he got up and he's like, listen, there's something called CCC. How fast do you turn over your cash? In my business, we had a a positive one because we were getting everyone to prepay, but it still wasn't enough cash to fuel our growth. So at a certain point, we were like, what are we going to do? How are we going to continue to grow? We need to get loans to really be able to accelerate because we wanted to keep doubling the business. So we went around looking for loans and nobody's willing to give a startup that's just a few years old with no bottom line alone. Right. Uh, you know, beer, we're, we're beer because we're growing, we're investing in employees. I, I think we're like 2 million in revenue and like 25 employees or something like that, or 20 employees. We're like, what are you even doing? So like this, is, this is a, yeah, folks, I just want to, I want to preview. This is a classic story, right? Startup company, can't get loans, needs cash, doesn't have cash. What is the currency they have available? Well, the only thing that we really thought that we had, you know, because we did have cash flow and we, we had relationships with right. people. Right. And so my partner went over to one of his brother's relationships and I didn't really have that many relationships. I was much more transactional back then. I didn't know how to network. I wasn't a networker. Yeah. I was like a telemarketer. I love making prank calls. I don't call them cold calls. I call them prank calls. Right. And I just, I would have a fun time doing that. I loved, you know, the new, the new, the new person, the new client. I'd always loved the new. And so he went over to one of the relationships that he had. And the guy said, he'd give us a hundred thousand dollars. And he's like, it's not a loan. It'll be an investment, but I want 50% of your business. Again, right. he's so, like, you have so, no so profit. Was, your business but, is worth nothing. That's right. So what I was previewing, you know, sort of with my teaser there was this comes up very often for companies that stage, right? We need cash. We don't have, we can't go to a bank. What do we have to give? We have equity to give, right? And so continue with the story. So, so we're at $2 million in revenue, $2 million in revenue. The guy's like, I'll give, we're on pace to do. So we weren't actually 2 million. We're on pace to do 2 million, but we had the reoccurring revenue coming in with the clients didn't have any contracts. So the guy's like, look, your clients don't have contracts. Anybody could leave at any time. Yep. We don't know if we're going to hit another recession like we did a couple of years back. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm willing to give you $100,000 of my hard earned money, but I want 50% equity in your company. Wow. And I want to be able to work there full time. You don't have to pay me a salary for the first two years. But after that, I want a guaranteed salary if we grow the business to a certain amount. Me and my partner looked at each other and we laughed. And we're like, are you crazy? Our monthly reoccurring revenue is more than $100,000 a month. More than a hundred thousand. Like, what are you even talking about? Why would we give you fifty percent of our business? He's like, all right, so make me an offer. I was like, nothing. We're not giving you any equity for a hundred thousand dollars. If you want to make it a loan, charge us a point a month. Charge us two points a month. We'll consider it. He's like, no, I don't do loans. I only do equity. And that was the end of that conversation. But that made us start thinking of, hang on a second, people are willing to pay us for equity because we didn't even know that wasn't even an option. We didn't even know that like somebody would want to give us money for a business that. He's like, if you have the cash and it's coming in and you're showing growth year after year, it has value. And you're two entrepreneurs. What I found is investors don't want to invest in one entrepreneur that's a visionary because they're too flaky. And I, I showed I was very flaky my whole life. I was very flaky. But if there's two entrepreneurs and one of them's the ringleader and one of them's the visionary, yep. one of them's like the operator, right? The person who gets stuff done and the other person who's constantly coming up with ideas and driving everything forward with his positivity and all that stuff, then there's a much more chance that the business will be successful. Yes. And so somebody introduced us to an investor that invested in many companies and they were a professional Wall Street firm. And we ended up taking an investment. And and the investment was like, 
it didn't really make sense to us. Like when we took that investment, I was like, hang on a second, you're offering us so much money for a small percentage of our business. They really believed that we were going to grow the company by leaps and leaps and bounds. Like, and we, we wanted to be a hundred million dollar business at that point. We we're like, we're going to be a hundred million dollar business. Right. We're going to do this. And Joe, right, you needed to be for that investor to get the kind of returns they were looking for, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we had all the intention to do that. And then, and you know what? Here's a big mistake that I made. Corey, I don't know if you ever heard of this, but I was a visionary and I was allergic to paperwork. I'm like, (laughs) I don't look at the numbers. I PL, don't even talk to me about PL. I let my partner do all that stuff. I was like, you deal with lawyers, you deal with legal, you deal with HR. I'm doing sales and marketing. Let's grow. I don't even want to hear anything whatever you, we're paying each other salaries. Great. Let's do it. And I didn't even look over the legal agreements. Mm. I didn't even, I was selling equity and I had a tremendous amount of sweat equity besides that. Cause I was working in the business without really getting much of a salary for the first couple of years. So I didn't even know that there was a concept called sweat equity. Right. I didn't even know that sweat equity was even a thing that there was value to sweat equity. Like I read this book, this very popular book written by an EO accountant. It's called Something Profit by the Numbers. It's an orange book. You know what I'm talking about? Is that Greg Crabtree's uh, book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg Crabtree. Excellent book. Simple numbers, profit, whatever. It's called something like that. That book is like next level. It's one of my top 10 business books for entrepreneurs. Like if you're going to read a book about, if you're like, don't understand finance and you want to understand how much should I pay myself? Who should, like, how should I split up my money? Like, how should I think of cost of goods sold? Like all these questions that I had when I started my business, I had no one to answer this. Even accountants wouldn't even explain to me what ca- the difference between accounts receivables and cash flow and profit and cash. Like I didn't even understand any of this. For me, it was just like a big dark hole. It was just like, I'm not an accountant. I had a self-limiting belief. I didn't understand contracts. I didn't even want to look at that. Like if someone told me terms and conditions, I would be like, just accept it. Just accept it. Click next. Just click next. <laughs> so I was like, right. just, so who they, cares, they, right? So, but, so, but, so this sounds like it's leading to a lesson. So <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, yeah. So big, big the, lesson. What happened? <laughs> well, the biggest problem with that agreement for, for, that I had to deal with very recently is that there was no exit clause. Hmm. There was literally no, could you imagine partnering up with somebody and now not having an operating agreement? I didn't even have an operating agreement. We created an operating agreement on the spot for the investor. Right. Because we, when we, we were like, well, what do we need? What do we need life insurance? Why do we need an operating agreement? Why do we, blah, blah, blah? nothing. I was literally flying by the seat of my pants. Looking back there, I was like, it's a miracle. It's literally a miracle that we grew a business to the level that we grew it and did the things that we did because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And like most entrepreneurs I speak to that are struggling, I mean, it's really a miracle if you don't get the education, if you don't get a coach. You know, that, you know what I thought of coaches? This is my self-limiting belief around coaches, Corey. I believe that if a coach can grow a business, they would grow a business. Mm-hmm. The reason they're coaching is because they can't grow a business. Right. And so I didn't believe in coaches. I didn't believe, I was like, I, I'm the smartest person in the room. That's what I thought. But really, I was pretty dumb. Just for having that thought, I was blind. I lacked awareness. And because I lacked awareness, I didn't know what I didn't know I didn't know. So now my eyes are wide open and I'm like, oh my God. And that's why I want to help 1,000 hungry entrepreneurs go from frustration to motivation because you need certain things in place when you're starting out. And, And partnerships are great. When you're starting out your partnerships, everything is great. That's the best time to make an agreement. 
yes, when yes. things are good. I learned this from EO. I learned this from Vistage. I learned this from coaches, from hearing stories in forum from entrepreneurs that had disastrous stuff going on, disastrous stuff going on with their partnerships because they didn't have agreements. And these agreements need to be read and you have to pay a lawyer hourly to sit down and go through what this means and each individual item and take the time to focus on it and make sure that you have things like an exit strategy if something goes wrong or if somebody dies or something bad happens and make sure that stuff is super clear and not vague. We had some really vague language in the agreement that ended up making my partner leave. He just decided to get up one day and just go find something else because it was vague. there was vague language in the agreement and the, we basically couldn't come to agreement with the investors as to what the future was of the company. Wow. And so he just got up and said, you know what, guys, listen, I have another opportunity. I'm going to go do my own thing. And it's more along his passions. He's helping people that, um, that, have, that have a narcotic problem, that have a drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started a rehabilitation center in South Carolina and is doing really well. Um, and we're still really good friends, but, and, you know, and also with my investors, I'm still, I still have a really good relationship with them, but I was able to fortunately come to a deal with them, um, and, you know, buy them out. But I, I, I would have had a much easier time and everybody would have been so much happier if we would have had clarity in my agreement to begin with. Mm. And so I was just so excited that somebody even believed in me. I was so in my, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. really? You want to invest in me? <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> the then, company wasn't listen, worth much. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. As it, folks, as, as some of you may know, because you may have had the same experience yourself or certainly seen it. Yeah, this is not unusual. I mean, I'm not trying to make just make Joe feel better, but he's far from the only ones. It's why he why he has this commitment to work with other companies. And we see it in the, uh, we see it in the accelerator, you know, program companies that are coming up. I mean, you know, just, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And when you've sorted out something and somebody's, you know, will interested in writing you a big check, it's tempting, but you know, there's a lot of questions around not only what the legal agreement looks like and whether how you exit it and all that kind of stuff, you know, but are they the right strategic investor? Do you have a line vision? Do they, you know, are they going to push you, you know, the minute you take in money, I mean, talk about this a little bit, Joe, and I don't know what, you know, you and I haven't talked specifically about your experience, but with most professional investors, especially if we're talking about private equity or, you know, uh, VC firms, you know, there's an expectation of growth that creates, uh, you know, uh, some pressure sometimes, you know, there's a, you, you know, you change the entire nature of the expectations of your business when you take in significant capital. A hundred percent. But I also, I also did not really understand how to manage my investors. That was the probably the biggest issue. I didn't have experience, right? So I had no idea. Like, are they allowed to tell me what to do? Should I be reporting to them on a regular basis? Should I be chasing them? Because they're so busy that often they really didn't have time for us. They were dealing with so many ventures at the same time that often they would basically just let us go and do whatever we wanted. But then we, we met, we're like, this is not what we agreed upon, but we didn't really have integrity in our agreements because everything was very vague. And so you end up, whenever you're missing specificity in your agreements, 
And it's really, everybody's responsible for that. And you as the entrepreneur are the one that ultimately is responsible for all your communication to make sure that you have integrity. I'm not talking about morality. I'm talking about having a whole workable agreement so everybody knows what's expected of them. I never lay down to my investors, hey, this is what's expected of you, and this is what is expected of me, and this is going to be our communication. I didn't even know that huddles existed. I didn't have a board meeting on a regular basis. None of it. I wish. I wish I had the tools that EO gave me. I wish I, I joined EO Accelerator, and I had those four sessions per year when, when I started my business, and I would have just had some basic education around how to manage relationships with people in business with partners. I didn't have a regular huddle with my company back then until I joined EO, until I walked into Dave Kirpin and he and, and Scott Mesh and they said, Joe, why don't you like do your core values? <laughs> and I was like, that sounds so fluffy to me. Like who cares about core values? Let's make money. And at the end of the day, I mean, creating my core values helped me be able to shift who I am as an individual working with coaches, working with consultants, being part of the Vistage community, being part of the EO community, the young Jewish professional community, all that helped me be able to shape who I am and who I've become and how I've developed as a human being. And also being able to now have better relationships with my children. You know, I learned so much from business, from the deals that I've made in business and the mistakes that I've made and the successes that I've had. I learned so much about how to treat my own family, how to be there for my kids, like I bring back a lot of this integrity stuff into the conversations I have with the people that I love. And you got to treat it like a business. If you want in a love relationship with your child, with your parents, with your spouse or whatever it is, there's a lot of lack of integrity that will be allowed to happen. And the relationship would still kind of like putter on. If you have a lack of integrity in a business, your business goes out of business. Right. It's kind of like the rule of gravity. You see it happening in your business right away. You don't show up to meetings. You're late. You don't say what you're going to do. You're bad with your employees. You're bad with your clients. The reviews go up and then you're done. And then nobody wants to do business. Nobody wants to work for you. You lose your best employees and like you're, you have no one to, you can't keep your word. It's not happening. You're not going to be able to do what you need to do. That's why a lot of businesses go out of business because they don't understand this important word integrity and how agreements, just agreements with people and what's expected of you. So for me, you know, just going back to that and having integrity and realizing, like, really taking it seriously and not kind of like winging it and really knowing what you're going to be doing and how you're going to be doing it and who you're going to be doing it with. One of the things that I learned in forum training and also training as a, a forum moderator trainer, which I learned so much being in the board with you, being the president of EO and everything, like, you know, the level of integrity that, you know, who and by when. Was it done or not done? Like all these like simple little things that you might take for granted. So powerful. So powerful. I don't know if you remember this, Corey, but when I joined EO, I went to the first six board meetings without being part of the board. I just yes. decided I, I got to watch this. I was fascinated. And Julia that. recruited me <laughs> to be, she's like, what are you doing here? Just come be part of my committee, the marketing committee, and Julia Pensler. And yes, I yes. became part of the marketing committee. And then I became the chair of the marketing chair of both EO New York and EO Brooklyn in the same year. That's right. That was that was during my presidency. Uh, yeah. And by the way, folks, you can look back at one of the past episodes. Julia Pimsler, Million Dollar Women, was was a guest. So shout out to Julia, a good friend of both uh, Joe and, and mine. And she's uh, probably a guest on the Deal Quest podcast. Hey, Joe. So yeah, so many lessons, right? So now you know you learn this lesson. You know you, you have a business partnership that was good and, and split up. You got investors that you know were in for a while, and then you bought them out. 
Any other kind of deals you've done? I mean, one of the things we always talk about in this podcast is it doesn't have to actually be big investment deals or mergers and acquisitions. It could be strategic alliances or joint ventures or joint marketing arrangements or affiliate deals online or like yeah. we want to talk about all kinds of deals. So any other deals that you've been involved in that you learned some stuff from or that? So uh, many, so many, so many. I mean, even the most recent deal that I made with Julia Pensler, she had a she has a, a course, a big course that she offers for women to get them to a million dollars in revenue. But she also created a a smaller course called the Sales Cure. I don't know if you ever heard of her Sales Cure, but she has a simple program online, and it wasn't really taking off because she didn't really have the time to focus on that, and also focus on her book, and also focus on Million Dollar Women and everything else. And because we launched Evergreen, teaching people how to go from lurker to influencer on LinkedIn, generate qualified leads, and we were having great success having hundreds of people join our course, she said, why don't you make the sales cure part of your offering? Why don't you offer it together? And I said, okay, let's create something called a joint partnership agreement. And I learned my lesson from my agreements to make sure that I review it and that we have all the exit clauses in there and everything. And we sat down and we created a partnership where we're both earning money from some intellectual property that she created with John Toda, by the way. Give a big shout out to John Toda very professionally done in his office before he moved to Vermont. And it's really helping people be able to create systems and processes and how to become a killer closer around sales. And it's very affordable. And we have a really good deal together that we did. And we're offering it as a joint venture. And she's also an affiliate of Evergreen. So when she has us at her conference talking about LinkedIn, she also gets a commission on that. So it's kind of like it works both ways where it's, you know, we don't own her stuff. She doesn't own our stuff, but and we didn't give away equity or anything, but we do profit share from each other and help each other and make a difference for people, really change lives together. Because that's kind of like, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, you start off, you're trying to make money, but then when you make money, then you're like, all right, is that all there is? Like, how do I really make a difference in the world? And that's kind of like how I evolved. I started off trying to like survival, trying to redo what, what I saw my mother wasn't able to do. And then I finally figured it out. And then I said, okay, now I need to become better because you can only grow your business as much as you grow yourself. So I needed to kind of say, okay, what's not authentic about me? And then I started exploring all these fears that I had. I used to be afraid of public speaking. I used to be afraid of social media. I used to be afraid of networking. Corey, I used to be afraid of writing. I used to be afraid of writing. And now Joe is totally prolific in all those areas and has really gotten to a level of mastery in it. And what I love about the example of the deal each way with Julia is, you know, folks who've listened to this podcast have heard me talk about it a lot. You know, every company focuses on organic growth, on sales and marketing and providing great products and services and getting more customers and clients. And they should, right? If you can't get a a customer or a client, you know, in 90, you know, 8% of the businesses, you're not going to be in business, right? So, but a lot of times they hit, you know, their growth slows or it's not where they want it to be, or maybe they're not even growing. They hit a wall on organic, uh, you know, growth. And what they don't do is look at one of the simple questions I often ask, you know, folks who are having some struggle growing is how you're trying to do it. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're doing marketing, we're hustling, we're, we're cold calling, we're doing, and all you should be doing all this stuff, figure that stuff out. But I asked them, well, have you talked to anybody who sells similar products or services to your demographic? Have you, asked who else is has access to the markets you want to get into already? Have you thought about doing some sort of tr- strategic alliance or joint venture or contractual you know, marketing arrangement, affiliate arrangement, whatever, the kind of thing that Joe was talking about that he and Julia are doing? And so many companies just say, no, I haven't really thought about doing that. Well, you know, if somebody else has already has a following or has access to a demographic or a market 
that you are trying to break into, it's so worth giving them a piece of the pie to, to do that as, to, as opposed to just trying to build it organically. And that's a great example of what Joe and Julia are doing. Yeah, that's one of our biggest sources of revenue at Evergreen is just doing affiliate marketing with people. Like people already have an audience that they're talking to. So figure out who in your network has the audience that you need to be speaking to and then just cut them in on the action. And then, you know, if you have something that's easily trackable, you can pay people for every call you get. You can pay people for every lead you get. You can pay people for every opportunity or for every piece of closed business you get. There's lots of different ways that you can cut your affiliate deals. You don't have to do it one way. And when you figure out the right people that are talking to your target market, it just becomes so much easier because you're basically using their trust to get in the door with them. One of the hardest things to build in general in life with other people is trust. And when you deal with LinkedIn, for example, it's really easy for me to get trust with Corey's connections. So if I do an affiliate program with Corey to his connections, if his connections are ideal clients for me, it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for me because I'm getting clients. It's a win for Corey because he's getting a commission and he's getting a good product uh, delivered and offered to his audience. And it's great for his audience because they have a need to potentially learn how to use LinkedIn or grow their business or get leads or whatever else you might be offering. No question about it. And here's the interesting part about these affiliate deals, folks, is depending upon the structure and the deal and types of things, you know, it can range, you know, as low as 10%, but some of these affiliate deals go up to 50% of the revenue, right, closed on, on these businesses. And some people say, well, that's crazy. That's a lot of money. And depending, again, you know, it depends on what your product is, what your cost margins, yeah. are, and you know, the market is and whatever. And so, but here's the thing that some people really underestimate, especially if you're delivering an online product where your um, marginal cost is not, you know, significant, that even in a situation where you may be giving up as much as 50% of revenue on that first product, you are getting new people into your database who you can then cross sell and upsell, you know, future business to, which depending upon the way your affiliate deal is structured, the affiliate may not be participating in that at all, or, you know, at a lower level. So, you know, you got to always look at lifetime value of a customer as opposed to just the, uh, you know, the split on the first sale. And not only that, if you work with a smart lawyer like Corey, which is more of a business strategist rather than just a lawyer, they'll help you come up with really great ideas for lead-in products. That's something that maybe you're not offering right now that you could start offering that has a very high profit margin, but costs a lot less than your back-end services. And then you can even give away more than 50% to people that sell your lead-in product on behalf of you. There's a woman named Amy Porterfield. She was on this year's Inc. 500. If you don't know what the Inc. 500 or Inc. 5000 is, it's the 5,000 fastest growing companies in the U.S., recognized by Inc. Magazine. And every year they come up with the list. And this year they had 5,000 companies on it. Amy Porterfield did $17 million in revenue. She gives away 50% of that to her affiliates. And most of her revenue, she said on her podcast, comes from affiliates. So think about that. She generated $17 million in revenue, 50% off the top, off the top of the revenue goes straight to affiliates. So think about how much revenue you can, and that's just her front end. So think about how much revenue you could be generating by coming up with a problem that you could solve for your target market, coming up with some type of solution that you could offer at a very, very high profit margin, and then you can involve other people to offer it on your behalf and give them a high percentage. Yeah, that's a deal that a lot of people have successfully done. You know, if you have intellectual property, we've talked about licensing, you know, in the past. There's so many ways that you can you can do stuff. And it's really, you know, frankly, you know, one of the biggest reasons I do this podcast 
it's just open up people's minds to all the different possibilities of what they might be able to do to help them grow their business inorganically, you know, deal-driven growth in addition to the organic growth that they're doing. Hey, Joe, any, um, you know, we're going to wrap up in a, in a few minutes. Uh, I've got a couple of last questions for you. But before we go there, any sort of last uh, tips, uh, deal, you know, deal things you've learned, anything else you want to mention to the audience uh, before I give you an opportunity to give you contact information and ask my final question? Yeah. So what I want to tell people is that one of the key things that people are not really inspecting is their level of awareness or even their beliefs, their paradigm, the way that they're viewing their business, the way that they're viewing other people that stops them from creating deals and opportunities. So I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, what are the biases that you have for your business, for yourself, for the people around you, for your clients, for your prospects, for your potentials? And I want to encourage you to try in another pair of glasses. Try to see things from a different perspective. Try to get out of your comfort zone and maybe suspend your judgments. Suspend the way that you typically see things and look at things with a curious eye. And if you do that, you're going to be able to find new deals, new opportunities, new ways of doing business that will help you be able to take your life and your business to the next level. And if you work with a competent lawyer, if you work with a strategist, with a negotiator, that's going to help you be able to accelerate the way that you view things and be able to see things in a different way. And it will really help you um, see opportunities that you've never seen before. So I want to encourage you to have a little more awareness. Mm. You know, I, I love that. And, and one of the things I've been, uh, I just started these uh, monthly deal den uh, Zoom mastermind calls. They're free. And, uh, you know, we'll have one coming up in November. You can just check my, uh, my site to see, uh, you know, more information about it. But the reason I'm raising it, particularly in this moment, is on the last one, there was, there was somebody who was on, on the call, an entrepreneur in the fashion industry, and, you know, she was sharing that she had this uh, opportunity a couple of years ago with a big company, but she loves this sort of invention design thing that she did. I won't, I don't want to share any confidential information, but that, you know, she went to the company, this big company, and they wanted, they really just wanted to really, you know, own it. And, you know, she would get a license fee from it. And, you know, she didn't want to lose control of it. And listen, those are all legitimate things to consider, but it was two years later and she hadn't done anything with it. And I challenged her and I said, well, you know, because she was struggling to get the thing off the ground. It's not even the main part of her business. And I said to her, well, what had you not do that deal, you know, or consider doing that deal? Because she didn't even consider it with the bigger company. And I see this with a lot of creative folks, right? Well, it's my invention, my design, and I really wanted to. And I said to her, listen, you know, you're looking for ways to fund your core business. Wouldn't it be great to have a passive income stream on a royalty, on a license, from a company that's going to blow something up that you've been able to do nothing with for the last two years since you didn't do that deal. You know, Mm -hmm. just at least considering like that paradigm shift, that mindset shift, getting out of that sort of artist, I want creative control thing. And by the way, I'm not downplaying that. There's places where you should hold to that. But if it's not in your core business and you're not doing something with it anyway, and this could be a lucrative invention, at least reconsider it. And, you know, she pinged me afterwards and said, that was super valuable to me. You know, it had me think a totally different way. And that's just, I just wanted to give one small example of, I think what Joe's encouraging us to do. Like we get into these, these mindsets, these patterns, these, you know, just within our own way of thinking that sometimes hold us back, limiting beliefs. And Joe and I do a lot of personal growth work, I know, uh, you know, to, to break yeah. through our own limiting beliefs. And that is directly tied to business success. No question. And, and I'll give you another example, just real brief before we wrap up. Um, there's a friend of mine who was a client of Ajax Union, started off as doing just search engine optimization with us uh, back in the day, you know, maybe 10 years ago, whatever it was. And it was a cold call that we made and we closed the deal and it was really, really great. 
And one of the conversations that I remember specifically having with him was, we did such a great job that he basically got to his cap. He ran out of cash and he got to his cap and he's like, I don't have enough inventory. He was selling, uh, he was based in Texas and he was selling those blow up products for when people do parties for their kids in their backyards. Those like big blow up like things that they jump on, like jumpy things. What are they called? I forgot what they're called. Uh, moon houses, like bouncy, yeah, bouncy, bouncy, bouncy moon houses, things like that. Anyway, bottom line is he would take a deposit this is what he would do. Somebody would call him up and they'd be like, oh, would you like a moon house in two weeks from now? Great. Give me a, a $50, $100 deposit and then I'll, and you'll be booked for the day. And he would take a small deposit. Now the moon house is worth, let's say 200 bucks, right? The price to rent the moon house is about 200 bucks. So you don't take a $50 deposit. So then he would run out of inventory and he didn't have enough cash from the deposits to buy more inventory. So I said, how about this? Give them a discount if they prepay you the full amount right now instead of whatchamacallit. Say the regular price is $300. I'll charge you $200 if you can prepay for it today and non-refundable. Yeah. And most people, he's like, I, I, would people do that? He's like, that's ridiculous. I was like, try it. See what happens. He did that and he took his business from doing $250,000 in revenue to $1.5 in revenue just from that small little tweak in the way that he charges his customers up front. Love it. Totally he joined it. EO after that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love Very it. powerful. Think about that. It's just a change of mind. Because he, he believed his paradigm, his pair of glasses was, who would want to prepay the whole thing up front? If you're getting a discount, anybody would. So that's the that's idea. Right. That's right. That's amazing. And he joined EO. And folks, if you don't know, you need to have a million dollars in revenue to be in EO. So he got over that threshold. And I'm sure that continued to help him grow. So that's amazing. So Joe, I know uh, people always get value from from everything you do. I think this is a, people got to see a little different side of you here, uh, but obviously they're also going to be interested in what you're doing in terms of your core business at Ajax Union and in terms of the LinkedIn programs and you know all the other stuff you have going on. So in addition to just searching Joe Apfelbaum on any social media channel, where they'll be easily going to find you. What's the best way for them to find out more about you know you and your business to reach out to you? Well, the best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. If you go to www.joelinkedin.com, it redirects you directly to my LinkedIn profile and just connect with me. Make sure that you tell me in a note or in a direct message that you saw me on DealQuest because I do have over a thousand people waiting to connect with me on LinkedIn. And let's connect on LinkedIn and let's talk and let's see how we can support each other. I'd love to learn about what you found interesting about this episode. So if you did hear this and you got all the way to the very end, make sure that you do reach out to me on LinkedIn, send me a message, connect with me and you know, let's build a relationship together. And maybe you'll catch one of my, one of my raps you know, where I go a little crazy and I say things like, if you want the riches, you got to step into the niches, avoid the ditches, witches and snitches. Stop with the sales pitches. Otherwise, you might get stitches. You know, so we, do, we like to do things, you know, very, in a very fun way. Love it. Oh, man, I love me some Joe Applebaum. Hey, Joe, final question. My biggest um, uh, value in life, uh, my most important value in life is freedom. And to me, that means uh, everything from freedom for all people from oppression to the reason I'm an entrepreneur and I haven't worked for somebody in 35 years. What does freedom mean to you and how does it impact your life and business? To me, freedom means something very similar than success. To not have to worry about the opinions of other people, to be able to be free to express yourself openly and to know that wherever you are right now is exactly where you need to be. And as a result of your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions of the things that you've done till now, and if you want to be able to really be free, you want to be able to really have power, to be able to really be able to express yourself openly 
and be able to live the life that you want to live, you got to really inspect your thoughts and your feelings and how present you are in the right now. I feel like a lot of people lock themselves up in their own mind with their, their own voice in their head. They're not aware of it and they get mixed up in their ego. If you truly want to be free, you got to release yourself from your ego and you got to be kind to yourself, love yourself. And only then will you be able to feel the blessings that you already have in your life. Love it. Listen, I am so excited to have had the Joe Alfelbaum as my 100th episode guest. Joe, thanks so much for being on the Deal Quest podcast. Thank you very much. This is awesome. Boom. Don't forget to share this on social media. <laughs> Let people know you heard Corey's podcast. Boom. Excellent. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Deal Quest, where we help you understand how deal driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, Go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.